ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you have ideas for future episodes of Ignition, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet at us, at sfdiocese, and use the hashtag ignition. Again, that's for any questions you have or ideas for future episodes or anything else that you want to complain or talk to us about. Um, again, my name is Dr. Chris Bergwald. I am the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. been in that role since 2002. My wife, uh, I'm married, layman with uh, children. My wife, Jermaine, and I have been married for almost 19 years um, as we are recording today. And we have five kids, 14 on down to six. And across the desk from me today is... Father Joseph Schulten, priest for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Glad to be with you, Dr. Bergwald. <clears throat> I guess I'm now your regular co-host, uh, and semi-regular, semi-regular. At least. <laughs> semi-regular. I'm not. I'm not totally regular. You're not totally regular, <laughs> but uh, that's okay. I'm a priest for the diocese. Like I said, uh, been a priest since 2017, and uh, I serve at St. Lambert Parish and O'Gorman High School. Go Knights. Amen. Um, <laughs> so, Father and I uh, have been discussing. This is this today's episode is going to be part of an occasional series that Father and I have been doing on a fantastic book called "The Case for Jesus" by Dr. Brant Petrie. Um, occasional series. We're not going to be talking about this book every time that Father Schulten is on ignition with me, um, but we are going to bring it up um, at least. On occasion. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sometimes more than on occasion. Sometimes more than on occasion. So um, this is actually the third part of our series. You can hear parts one and two in episodes 349 and 350 of Ignition. So if you're curious to get more of, of the background uh, or more of the what, what came before, um, we're, we're going to pretty much pick up where we left off in episode 350. But Father, just to get everybody up to speed as we can, um, uh, how would you summarize what we've discussed? discussed in previous um, episodes of this series. There's a common objection out there that the New Testament, and specifically the four Gospels that are in the New Testament, are not reliable, that they were originally anonymous, that they weren't written by people who knew Jesus personally or witnessed him or heard from him. Instead, they were composed later um, based on unreliable oral reports. And uh, that's a pretty strong objection, and it... um, it implies that we don't really know what Jesus said okay. or taught. Uh, we're trying to address that. Dr. Uh, Petrie addresses that in his book by showing that the Gospels are reliable and that the Gospels show uh, present us with an accurate picture of Jesus, Jesus who claimed to be the Messiah and the Son of God. Uh, and what we're doing right now, what we want to do today, is um, discuss the authors of the Gospels uh, and the process by which those Gospels were written. What do the Gospels themselves say about uh, about their authors, and what do the earliest Christian writers of the earliest testimony, um, what does that tell us about how these Gospels came to be written? Okay. So at the end of episode 350, we were talking about the, the those different authors, the titles of the Gospels. And we looked at Matthew, and we looked at Mark. So it makes sense to pick up with Luke. 
Sounds good. Yes. Uh, so just to recap, Matthew <clears throat> is the tax collector, so obviously he could read and write. Uh, he was an educated man. He was a disciple. Um, Mark was not an eyewitness, uh, but he was a associate of the apostles Peter and Paul and um, records what Paul taught. Um, early ancient, early writers uh, that we can discuss a little later says say that he uh, he recorded the gospel that Peter preached. So let's move into Luke. Luke okay. is an interesting um, is an interesting author because he actually gives us a little prologue telling us what he's doing in in compiling his narrative, his gospel. Okay. Uh, so the title says Gospel According to Luke. And all of the manuscripts of this gospel from the earliest centuries on include this title. And so it's good reason to believe that it's written by the man named Luke. Um, here's how Luke begins his gospel. It's a little wordy, so bear with me. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things which have been accomplished among us, just as they were delivered to us by those who, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the truth concerning the things of which you have been informed. That's Luke 1, uh, verses 1 to 4. Okay. So there are a couple of things that are interesting in this prologue. Okay. Luke first tells us that uh, many have tried to compile a narrative of these things he's about to do. Uh, so he says there are many accounts of what Jesus said and did that have been circulating already. Um, two, he doesn't identify himself as an eyewitness, mm -hmm. right? He says that uh, the people who, who delivered these things, who told these things to us, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, right? Um, in other words, the apostles. Right. The apostles were witnesses. They lived with Jesus and they saw his, uh, his actions. They knew him intimately. And he's saying, that's where this stuff's coming from. He's, I'm not pulling this out of nowhere. It's, it's coming from eyewitnesses. But he doesn't identify himself as an eyewitness, okay. uh, which is significant, right? If this is a made-up story, then why wouldn't he make up himself as one of, the, one of the main characters or one of the, at least one of the people on the front lines, right? Um, but Luke doesn't do that. He doesn't. He doesn't claim to be more than he is. So this kind of relates to me to what we were saying last time about Mark's gospel. Um, it would be if 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 Mark's gospel were made up, not telling the truth. It's strange that it would be attributed to a non eyewitness. Right. Similarly, the case with this gospel, if if its content were made up, no, um, knowingly not historically accurate, not historically true, it's strange that its author would refer to himself as not being an eyewitness. Right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do that if you're trying to convince people of something that's actually not the case. Right. If, if, if I were going to make up, um, uh, something I, I wouldn't say, but I wasn't there to see it. This, right. this happened, but I wasn't there to see it. Exactly. If, I, if I'm making it up and want you to believe me, I'm probably going to say, I saw this with my own two eyes. Exactly, exactly. But this author does not do that. Especially if you're making some pretty outlandish or, or bold claims, like, I don't know, a man rose from the dead. Right. right? You'd want to lend some accuracy to that. Yeah, say you were writing about the assassination of 
JFK. Okay. And you were, you were trying to say that it actually wasn't, he、uh, wasn't actually. It wasn't you know, Lee Harvey Oswald. It wasn't Oswald. It was some other, some other guy. And, and you're making this bold claim, right, that goes against uh, common, uh, common opinion. You, and you were making this up. Well, you'd want to say, I was there. I had this insider information.、Yeah. I really knew. I saw this、right. man saw on this the grassy knoll.、Yeah. Right. Right.、Uh, Luke doesn't do that. Even though he said, you know, he say, he's talking about a man who, who,、uh, who rises from the dead and who cures lepers and, and、uh, claims to be the Messiah and things.、Uh, is, is born miraculous or right, conceived right. miraculously. Right. He never, he never says, I actually saw this. He's just trying to report what others, others have, said. have passed on、okay. to him. Okay. Right.、Um, And then finally, this is,、uh, this is addressed to someone. This gospel is addressed to Theophilus.、Um, we don't know who Theophilus is.、Uh, some think that it's a, it's a collective name. Theophilus means, means、uh, one who loves God. And some think that it might be a sort of collective name for a community of people.、Um, others think that it's a, sort of a, a code name、um, for someone who、uh, wants to learn about Jesus, but you know, for fear of. Persecution or something. It's, it's、uh, kind of a, a nickname or something.、Um, or maybe it's just actually the dude's name. Right. right. But,、uh, but in any case, it would be very strange to have a, a, a named recipient without a named author in any document. And so. Sure. Okay. Just again, this wasn't an anonymous writing. It's, it's by who it claims to be by. Well, I, I might want to write a letter to Father Joseph Schulten and not identify myself. I guess that's true. <laughs> Fortunately, I haven't gotten any of those.、Okay. <laughs> But so,、Yet. truth be t o l so、uh, joking aside, in, in、um, the ancient world, you never wrote to someone else naming them, but remaining anonymous yourself. Right. That's the point. And the, the Gospel of Luke is a little different than hate mail. Right. <laughs> Or an anonymous love letter. Right. right. Either、uh, way. It has a very specific、But、purpose. I, one, one thing that is tangential to our point, but I want to bring up here that, that has always, often strikes me about Luke's gospel in the prologue, verse four, <clears throat> he's writing this to Theophilus that you, Theophilus, may know the truth concerning the things of which you have been informed.、Um, I think sometimes, because that just to me shows. How in the, the early centuries the gospels were used. Sure.、Um, sure. They, they weren't,、um, well, I suppose it's possible that somebody who didn't know anything about Jesus picked one up randomly, but that is highly unlikely. Right. People heard about Jesus through the, the oral preaching and,、uh, of, of disciples, through conversation with disciples, and then wanted to know more about him, they would be given a copy、um, of the gospels once they were written. Sure.、Um, so Luke here is trying to give to Theophilus a written account of the things that Theophilus has already learned a little bit about.、Um, I think that, that gives, some, again, some window into how the early church used the Gospels. Right. Not as tracts that were handed out willy nilly,、mm-hmm. um, but more to once,、uh, once somebody already had a taste of Christianity, if you will, this would be the follow up course. Right. Okay. And I would add that's, that's, why we, that's why we don't airdrop Bibles、right. into places like North Korea and call it evangelization. Right, exactly. You know? exactly.、Um, there's something essentially personal about the way that, that the message of salvation is communicated. Exactly.、Right? Um, another important thing about Luke、uh, within the scriptures is that he wrote acts of, the Acts of the Apostles, right.、Um, which is also addressed to Theophilus.、Uh, and so it's a similar pr- prologue in that. And, Um, we're not talking too much about Luke, but it's important to note that,、um, that unlike the Gospel of 
Luke. Uh, Acts of the Apostles includes Luke as a player. He's not a mm-hmm. um, not a major player. He doesn't make a big deal about himself or tell us a lot about himself. But at a certain point, the uh, the storyline in Acts uh, begins to use the first person, right? Instead right. of saying, you know, Paul went here, Peter did this. Um, at times, he he begins to say, uh, "We, you know, we set sail for Troas, and, right?" And such, and that begins at uh, at Acts sixteen eleven, and then from then on, um, I think three other times he he uses "we," you know, "we did this," and so um, and so he was a traveling companion. He he enters the the life of of the apostles at some point of the apostle Paul, um, particularly traveling with Paul and Barnabas. Um, do we know anything about him? Like we, we know a little bit about Matthew. Uh, you touched on that already. Um, less, but something about Mark. We right. touched on that already. Right. Do we know anything from? Um, so he refers to himself a little bit there in Acts yeah. later. Is there anything else that we know about who he is? Well, Paul's Paul in his writings refers to him a few times. Okay. In, in Philemon, Philemon twenty four, he refers <clears throat> to Luke as a fellow worker, right? Okay, um, and a physician. Right, and uh, I don't know any doctors that aren't educated. So, right. uh, just, again, it's it's not unlikely that this man would be the one to to write about Jesus because he probably sense. knew how to read and write. Okay, unlike the majority of people at the time. Sure. Um, and uh, in Colossians four, he's he's listed as well by okay. Saint Paul, uh, and he's he's not included <clears throat> among the the men of the circumcision. So um, Paul in Colossians four kind of goes through this list of people and you know they're included as men of the circumcision i.e. Jews and then he talks about some other people who apparently are not Jews and that mm-hmm. includes Luke uh, that interestingly makes Luke the only uh, non-Jewish author uh, of scripture that we have evidence for that he was a Gentile he was, right. a, he was a pagan right um, Right. they're not belonging to the people of Israel every other that's true Old Testament and New Testament alike every other author of scripture was Jewish right, right. interesting and uh, Luke, of course, is the one that shows this great sensitivity to um, the universality of Christ's message and salvation, that the Gentiles too, it's in all the Gospels, but especially in Luke, that the Gentiles are meant to be included in, in this work of God. It, it's good, the news good news for Jew and Gentile alike. Exactly. Okay. You're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast for the new evangelization. Doctor, I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. Father Joseph Schulten is across the table from me. And we're talking today about, um, this is part of, a, this episode is part of an occasional series that we are doing on Dr. Brant Petrie's book, The Case for Jesus. So this is actually our third episode in this series on, on the book, The Case for Jesus. And we're talking right now about how, um, who, who the author's of the Gospels are. So they're all attributed to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the manuscripts that we have copies of attributed to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But who were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? If you have questions about what we're discussing, you can email us ignition at sfcatholic.org. Father, anything else to say about Luke before we move on to John? I don't think so. Okay. So the author of the fourth Gospel, John. Yes, John. So uh, John's Gospel begins, the Gospel according to John, um, but he's never mentioned by name in the gospel itself. John doesn't include a list of the 12 apostles like the other gospels right. do. Um, and so it's interesting that uh, even though he's an apostle, he was supposedly there, uh, and his name is on the title of the gospel, his, his name doesn't come up in the gospel itself. Um, but the gospel does have some indication about who, is, who the author is. So uh, 
at the end of the Gospel of John, John 21, uh, Peter and this other disciple called the Beloved Disciple right. uh, are, are walking behind Jesus. Well, Peter's walking with Jesus and this other disciple is walking behind them. This is after the resurrection along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, it says, Peter turned and saw following them the disciple whom Jesus loved, who had lain close to his breast at the supper. So at the Last Supper, uh, it says the beloved disciple was, was laying close to Jesus, closer even than Peter himself. Okay, so Peter turns and he sees this guy, this disciple, following them. And um, it goes on, Jesus has a conversation with Peter about him, and, uh, and then it goes on to say uh, in verse 24, This is the disciple who is bearing witness to these things and who has written these things. So, uh, so that's the claim. Right. That, uh, that that man, that disciple, who was close to Jesus at the Last Supper, who was with him after the resurrection, that man is the one writing, writing this gospel. So it's, uh, it's sort of this, this beautiful reveal at the, end of the, at the end of the narrative, right? So an ancient reader who would have acquired a copy of this gospel or a person listening to this gospel being read aloud, they would have heard at the beginning the gospel according to John. Uh, but then it's interesting. You never, you never know who this John is right. until the very end of the story, and then you realize, ah, that's the one. Uh, it's that beloved disciple, the one that was mentioned earlier at the at the cross, and the one that was mentioned at the Last Supper. Um, that is the that's the source of all of this, uh, all of this um, information, this these memories about Jesus. Right. Um, John, and that, that's corroborated by. Other sources. So other gospels um, describe Jesus as having an intimate circle, right? Not right. just the apostles, but a, a specific group of, of three others, Peter, James, and John. Um, these guys are with Jesus, uh, for example, in, in Matthew, when, when Jesus goes in to heal, uh, to raise Jairus' daughter, um, he brings with him only three, Peter, James, and John. Jairus, so that's the synagogue official, right? Right. So this is his daughter's sick and then passes away. Right. Okay. Right. So Peter, James, and John are the only three brought into that. Right. Okay. Uh, and so, so John was obviously a part of this inner circle. Um, he was also present at the transfiguration. Again, just those three. Uh, and at the, and the agony of the garden in Gethsemane, Jesus brings with him just Peter, James, and John. So okay. obviously John was very intimate. Right. And so that matches the picture of this beloved disciple that we have in the fourth gospel. So that's why, um, from very early on, presumably then, w people identified the beloved disciple who's authoring this gospel with John the Apostle. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So um, one objection people have, uh, we'll kind of wrap up on John here, but one objection people have is they say, well... That sounds great. You know, this person claims to be the apostle, but the apostle John, wasn't he an uneducated fisherman? Oh, sure. How could he have written a gospel? Okay. Which is a fair objection. Um, but if we look at the if we look at the picture presented in the gospels, it's a little more complicated. But let's back up there. So how do we know that John was a fisherman? Uh, the other uh the other gospel, so beginning of the gospel of Mark, for example, um, Jesus calls the first apostles, um, who are Peter and Andrew, who are brothers, and then he moves on, and then the next set he sees are, are uh, James, James and, and John, right? And okay. they're in their boat, 
with their, their father and the hired servants and they're fishing. Okay. Right? Okay. And then later on in the Acts of the Apostles, they're they're called uneducated right. in Acts four. The, okay. So, so that's how we know that John the Apostle was a fisherman. From, right. From the it's not referred to here, it's from the other gospels. Right. Okay. But a point that uh Dr. Petrie makes <clears throat> is is uh is worth repeating that uh nobody's claiming that a fisherman wrote this gospel. Okay. The claim is that a former fisherman wrote this gospel. Right. 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 That, um that you know he left everything and he started to follow Jesus. <laughs> and um and then he his life was dedicated to preaching and to spreading uh, the message of salvation, spreading this gospel. Um, and by all accounts, this gospel was written, um, was the last to be written. And so it was written, you know, probably around the year nine, 90 or so. And so if that's the case, then there's plenty of time to to learn Greek. But even if John, right. say, even if John never learned to read or write, uh, it's it's still possible that this was written by a scribe or a secretary. That that was a common practice in the ancient world. Uh, Peter seems to have done that with his letters. And, sure. and Paul does that, even though Peter, even though Paul Is was literate, literate um, some of his letters he describes writing through uh, through Sylvanus or through another, another right. scribe. So um, even though John was a fisherman, it doesn't mean that uh, he couldn't have written this gospel. Also, if he, uh, also, although he was from a, from a, fishing family, they were fairly well off. Right? His father's rich enough to have hired servants that help them and uh, even in to the be family a, business. Even to be a fisherman was, was in modern terms, a middle-class profession. Sure. Yeah. He's um, not a, he's not a pauper. Right. Know, right. Um, and so it's, it's certainly possible that he was more educated than, uh, than is assumed. Okay. So is there anything else that we, to, okay. Bottom line this for anything else about John? Okay, so bottom line, we've covered, we've covered um, most of this episode, we've been talking about, well, Luke and, and John in particular, but going back to Matthew and Mark, what, what's the point of Dr. Petrie discussing this at length in the book? What's the point of us devoting basically an, almost an episode to this point of who these guys were? Sure. All this to say, uh, the Gospels were written by men who were very connected to this original event, okay. uh, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, right? A historical event, uh, they were close to it, right? And, and the evidence matches up, okay. right? The sources corroborate one another. Um, Luke isn't just some made-up name, uh, but external sources say, yeah, there was a guy named Luke. Yeah, he traveled with the apostles. You know, um, John isn't just some made-up name, but but other sources outside of John say, um, yeah, there was a, there was an apostle named John. Yeah, he was close with Jesus. He was one of the intimate circle. Um, this this all makes uh, a strong case for the credibility of the Gospels. That, okay. that these are historically reliable documents that give us an accurate picture of who Jesus was, what he said, what he did. Okay, so we've seen over the last couple episodes then. All the gospel the copies of the gospels that we have are attributed to these four men and these four men alone. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gospel of Matthew is always attributed to Matthew. Mark is always attributed to Mark. Luke to Luke. John to John. And we've seen that uh, based on the New Testament itself, these four men either were eyewitnesses or knew eyewitnesses. All of which is to say, again, establish the historical credibility of what they're saying. Right. Okay. Okay. So we've got uh, about four minutes to go in this episode, Father. What, what direction do you want to go next? Well, uh, 
people might be thinking about the lost gospels. Okay. We've been talking about the, the, uh, the, uh, other gospels, you know, okay. so we've been talking about these four, but in fact, there are more than four supposedly. Uh, right. Uh, you hear about the gospel of Thomas, the, uh, gospel of Judas, the gospel of Peter. So, uh, people might be thinking that are familiar with these things. Well, why aren't they mentioning those gospels? Right. Aren't there other gospels than these four? Right. So it's worth uh, it's worth taking that objection seriously, and um, we won't get into all the details about these gospels, but um, just a couple of points. First, uh, these these other gospels exist. Second, um, they are not as old as the four gospels that are in our Bibles. Right. Okay. These uh, most of these date later, probably to the second century. How do we know that? Well, they line up pretty nicely with with an early heresy, uh, an early Christian, uh, not Christian, but a heresy, a heretical movement called Gnosticism, this, uh, this philosophical religious system, mythological system that, uh, that was in vogue in the, in the second century. Um, so these are, these are documents compiled by the Gnostics and not by the people that are, that are uh, claimed as the authors. Okay. Right? Uh, even though it says Gospel of Thomas, it's not by the Apostle Thomas. Even okay. though it says the Gospel of Judas, it's not by uh, Judas. Right. The number of manuscripts we have of these is is very small. Uh, so let me just, how do we know that it's not? Sure. Um, one, because it seems to match nicely with with a theory with a system that 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 arose only in the second century and not okay. at the time of the apostles so in other words um, the content of them couldn't have happened in the first century and therefore couldn't have been written by men in the first century right okay right okay and uh secondly they they don't match up with what the other eyewitnesses tell us okay um they claim to be by apostles, but they they contrast so sharply with with what the four gospels, the canonical gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell us about Jesus that they they don't even appear to be talking about the same man. Okay. For example, um, in the gospel of uh, the infancy gospel of Thomas, if the boy Jesus, who's a capricious child who kills other children for uh, for offending him or for bump, bumping into him, you know, and he right. calls people. Um, dunderheads and things, and um, he, he's just this. Just is not the picture we have of this person. Um, and he, he teaches strange things. Or he teaches very different things than he teaches in the gospels that we have. For example, um, in one of the uh, one of the uh, anonymous, one of the lost so called lost gospels. Uh, I think it's the Gospel of Thomas. Um, he tells Peter that. No. He'll change Mary Magdalene yeah. and make her into a man because only men can enter the Are kingdom of, of heaven, heaven. right? Yeah. That's a very that's a very strange thing. It's just not like anything else Jesus teaches in the other gospels. Um, the other gospels have a nice have a harmony to them. They're not alike, and sometimes there are some slight points of, of tension on on minor details or narr- uh, the sequence of events. Yep. But if you put them together, you can say yes. This this picture all comes out of it comes from the same man okay uh whereas these just don't point to the same figure father we're running out of time is this is this a topic that we want to revisit or is there more to say about the these other gospels or do you want to leave it at that i think we can i think we can leave it at that that um the these other gospels lost gospels they exist um the church has always known about them um but 
there's not a good reason to think that they were written by the people that uh, that they're attributed to. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.